the power of being live comes down to a certain level of authenticity that comes from just people riffing like in the moment right it i think there's always this like natural level of skepticism even when we're reviewing content that clearly isn't edited or or altered in any way but when you know that it's live and you're talking to another human being on the other end of it, it really improves the the connection and I think the authenticity of it. And it's not perfect. And I think people enjoy that, right? They want these authentic, you know, opportunities to connect with like-minded people. So I enjoy it very much. Um, the funny thing about it though is, you know, as you're starting out, it can be demoralizing because there's times where I'll go live and it's just kind of me just, hey, uh, I'm here. What's going on? Uh, yeah. So you just have to power through that. Right. Yeah. But those are the early steps that people don't talk about. Right. Like they don't yeah. talk about that stuff that you have to be willing to show up when it looks like no one's watching. It looks like no one's paying attention. And when you're doing um, and sharing real and raw vulnerable type content, I often say that the people that connect the most to your message might watch for a long time before they interact. And then all of a sudden is I'll get a message from somebody and those, and actually scrolling maybe maybe a month ago and she said, what do you have available that I could join? And I was like, okay, who are you? And I don't know what, oh no, I've been watching your content for probably about a year. I can say I've never seen her name in the con comment section, mm -hmm. not once. People will watch and you don't even realize it. So I think that even just by you going live, like you're doing on a regular basis, I think it is really like a great way to build that know, like, and trust plus podcasts, right? Podcasting. Yeah. Podcasts are fun. I enjoy podcasts, especially when they're more conversational. I've done a couple that are, um, I won't say scripted, but they're, you know, you're kind of like understand where they're going to be going in terms of questions. And it's like, there's a certain allotted amount of time that you have to answer roughly. And it's like, this doesn't, this is not really the point of podcasting in my opinion, right? Like it's supposed to be conversational, it's supposed to be relaxed, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm, you know, exploring and kind of learning, learning that world as well. It's, it's fun. Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today you are in for a treat. This is an incredibly powerful episode and we are talking all about how to turn your massive adversity into your greatest gift. All the language that I love diving into. Today we are speaking with two-time author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and podcaster, Brandon Coluccio. Brandon is best known for turning his life's greatest setback into a force that has lifted up those around him. He is forever positively impacting the lives of others, overcoming their own struggles in life. 
Brandon started in private equity to entrepreneurship to a $67 million exit at age 29, and then 40 million in real estate by 31. And he had this huge rise, huge rise. But in reality, he was bloated, not happy, out of shape, anxious, self-medicating with alcohol, and lacking a solid foundation in life. The fall from grace was swift and agonizing. He went from private equity boy wonder to outcast. In July of 2020, he surrendered to federal prison. His life was forever changed. But in the darkest of hours, he vowed that this horrible event would not destroy him. Instead, he committed to turning this into one of the greatest moments of his life. And that he did. A moment that he would use to positively impact the lives of those around him facing their own challenges. He returned home in the best physical, mental shape of his life. He quit alcohol, nurtured a very wonderful marriage, wrote his second book, and dedicated himself to teaching others the blueprint for turning massive adversity into your greatest life's gifts. This is an incredibly just raw, real, vulnerable, heart-to-heart conversation as we talk about how did Brandon turn his life around? How did he create change? How did he navigate some of those dark days? What toe dipping was like? How it's not a straight up trajectory that is like straightforward, no challenges. And we talked about the dance and personal audits and how we can really build that relationship with ourselves and understand that we're in this process of learning, but our stories, this is what I really deeply connected with him in this episode. Our stories are what connect us. We are so much more alike than different and learning how to own and share and take personal responsibility for your story and put that out into the world can lead you to a path of purpose that is just so hard to put into words and Brandon does it so incredibly well. Something else that he said in this episode was, you know, being able to start over with a blank slate is an incredible experience of forced rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding, a lot of people will fall away and a lot of new people will come back in. Personal growth, development, finding gratitude and owning your story and taking full ownership and responsibility has led Brandon to the spot that he's in today, and that's going to continue to evolve and change as he continues to grow in his confidence and his message. I watch him online on Instagram as he openly is doing lives on a regular basis, working to build that audience and really putting it out there to support men, 25 to 35 entrepreneurs who really want to make a difference in their life, but also want to find happiness, fulfillment, joy. So you're in for an absolute treat. This is by far one of my favorite conversations that I've had. I cannot wait to share them with you. I didn't, I've been reluctant or not now, but I was reluctant for so long to share my story because I was so embarrassed I was so, you know, kind of like wanted to bury my head in the sand and just just disappear, right? There was a part of me that wanted to do that. And when I would share it with people that I was just meeting or people that um would inquire, I they were like, Brandon, you need you need to tell this story. Like you really need to share this. And so I had to just get over that fear and the I think the comfort seeking part of my brain that uh, said, no, 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 you can just kind of move on and keep, keep doing what you were doing. You don't need to, 
share this, just put this in the, you know, hide it way, way in the back of your mind, in the vault of all your skeletons, right? And um, move on with life. And what I realized through this journey is, and you know, I don't want to get overly philosophical on you here, but um, I I believe that we are tested in life, right? And mm-hmm. call it God, universe, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever your belief system is, all good. Um, and I believe that you know this was a test that was kind of placed in front of me to give me the opportunity to learn and overcome so that I could then share that information and that experience with the world. So um, I didn't realize that right away, but as I moved through it and the more I got these signs from just communicating with people about it and being open and transparent about it, uh, the more signs that would come. Right. And um, I now get, you know, pretty regular messages uh, even though I'm just, you know, really getting started here that like people will be like your story and what you're doing really has like impacted me. And I'm like, Oh my God, really me? Like I've impacted you. It's so amazing. And so, um, anyway, thank you. I, I appreciate that, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely, um, I can relate to all of that. And I have this deep seated belief that we all come here with gifts that we, we can utilize, we can do something with. I can't use your gifts. You can't use mine. We have our own. And I think that we are also then given challenges to amplify and learn those gifts and be able to like hone in on them. And then we get to decide what we do with them. So it's, it's really been an evolution, um, but it did start with an initial choice, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it did. My story is kind of interesting and I won't jump ahead. I'll go back to answer your question directly, but I've kind of like dipped my toe in and then pulled it out and then dipped it in a little more and then pulled it out. And then I've sort of like evolved into this. I didn't necessarily just decide and dive hundred percent in, which I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a nuance that people don't fully appreciate that a lot of the time this process is, is an evolution and it's taken me years. Uh, and over that period of time, I've had to continue to refine myself so that I'm able to show up in a manner that I am now. And even looking at from where I am today to where I'm going to be 12 months from now, there's go, that's going to be a different person, right? So I'm constantly evolving. But it all started um, through mentorship, believe it or not. Um, I had somebody in my, in my life at a very important time when I was really, really down. So uh, I'll give kind of the quick and dirty, um, yeah. but I was a very, very financially successful young man. Um, but I always got into business with the the deep burning desire to help and serve people, right? So I, I really loved business, really loved entrepreneurship, but I always had this part of me that felt like I I was put here to serve. And um, anyway, I, I did that through a couple of different ways, but built and sold a very large company, not very large, but you know, multi, multi-eight figure company in my 20s. Um was off building a multi eight figure real estate development company and you know a couple of other kind of seven figure ventures right so just this like straight up trajectory for a young man um and then all of a sudden that changed right and I'll maybe we'll get into the details of the story later but all of a sudden essentially my life uh was completely altered completely flipped on its head uh went from you know private equity boy wonder to you know like this outcast uh who was facing indictment 
uh, and you know significant financial loss, uh, you know blown reputation, the whole thing, right? So it was like straight up, straight down. And when I found myself doing, uh, I resigned from all my companies. I lost equity in all my major ventures. So it was, you know, huge net worth to not huge net worth. That took a huge financial toll on me personally because I placed a lot of my own self worth in all of those things, right? I I believed that that was really who I was, and that was it, it's a difficult thing to admit. It's almost embarrassing because it's like now I see who I am today, and I'm very proud of that man, regardless of whether I had those things or not. But um, in my youth, I think I was very misguided. Anyway. Um, so I found myself kind of sitting on my couch after all the wor- the world crumbled around me uh, with nothing to do, right? I'm, I was going a thousand miles per hour, buying businesses, selling companies, doing, you know, multi eight figure deals, raising capital, you name it, right? And, <laughs> you know, driving Porsche, like just a, you know, just a nut. And, um, and then I was like sitting on my couch wondering what the fuck is going to happen with my life. Yeah. Literally, I was watching Gordon Ramsay kitchen nightmares like on like like the season after season. Something about Gordon Ramsay screaming at people just was soothing to me at the time. And I woke up and I was like, I'm 31 years old. Am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is embarrassing. This is really sad. Um I was just really feeling sorry for myself. I was drinking myself to death. Um you know, just self-medicating like crazy. Yeah. And I was, I was embarrassed. I, I could see the way that my wife looked at me. Like she clearly was like, this, this man is just defeated. We just gotten married about a year before. And I finally just said, I can't do this anymore. Right. I, I can't for her and for myself. Like I have to be the man that I promised her I was. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in that moment. And honestly, as I looked back at my actions and you know who I believed I was versus the person I was showing up as every single day, I, I saw that there was this huge gap between those two things, right? Who we think we are and who we actually show up as every day. Are those two things congruent? And that's really done through a very deep self-audit. But I started to to engage in that behavior and I realized that, look, like Okay, I've decided I want to try to get like do something about this. I want to be a better person. I really need to look at, you know, who I am and my actions and uh how I'm behaving and how I communicate and how I treat people and um I think I need help to kind of get through this situation. And so I reached out to um a mentor who is somebody who had went through a, a situation far far worse than what I went through. And He's also one of the most positive um, people I've ever met in my life. He has just this incredible, um, contagious energy. And when I had a conversation with him, uh, I made the investment. I was like, you know, immediately, like, take my money. I don't care. Right. And it was a lot. It was, you know, borderline six figures. And so, I, but I needed it. Like, it was, it was something I needed in the moment. And, he completely changed my life. He completely changed the outlook, my outlook on the world. And he's like, Brandon, you don't understand. He's like, you have been given an opportunity here. You have been given an opportunity to create the person that you need to be so that you can share this story with the world. And I was like, whoa, that's 
that's powerful, right? And so I'm like, okay, but I'm sitting on my couch watching Gordon Ramsay. Like, how am I going to create that person? I'm not that person right now. Uh, but he's like, you have it in you. You're look at all that you've done in your life, right? Like you've done more in your life than most people will ever do, right? And I'm like, I know that. But in that moment, when you're when your world has crumbled around you, you feel you know this big, regardless of all those things that everybody says you did that are important right? It doesn't matter. You're still a human being at the end of the day and you still have flaws. And so what I did, and he kind of guided me through this process. He's like, you need to document your journey. And so what I started to do is I started to write because I was still too insecure and still too scared to get on camera, uh, which is funny. I remember trying to make a video and I I recorded this video like five times and then I just deleted it because I was like, I can't, I look like crazy. I sound crazy. I don't know what I'm saying. Right. I was still so insecure. That's where I was in the journey, just dipping the toe. So I started to write um, and I really kind of fell in love with writing. And so I wrote this little book uh, called uh, looking forward, the never quit mentality. Uh, it's on Amazon. I'm not sure. I think there's one person out there other than my mom who's bought a copy. So that's good. Um, it is good. Yes. Yeah. And so what I did alongside that, and it really it was an interesting book because I put it together relatively quickly because I just wanted to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I created a little self-directed course that went along with it. And it was really just me documenting my own journey as I was going through the greatest struggle that I'd ever faced in my life. I grew up in a relatively, you know, I won't say wealthy, but like well-to-do family. All my family members are entrepreneurs. Um, And so I'd never really faced any adversity before. And this was like enormous adversity, right? It was nothing to, you know, the world is crumbling around me. And so as I was documenting my struggle, I was sort of documenting the ways in which I was trying to get through it. And I was processing this experience. And so uh, I started uh, reading and writing a little bit about the Stoics and, you know, kind of the philosophy of of Stoicism and some of the the quotes and things that had inspired me. Um, I started writing about, you know, the process through which I was kind of moving like one little step at a time towards trying to make a positive impact. And anyway, so in this this little course, I uh, the guy that I worked with, he um, he creates a lot of educational materials for the prison system and jails around the country to help inspire guys to turn their lives around. Right. And so I created this material. I then licensed it to him, kind of just gave it to him for free to disseminate among all of his other materials that he's sharing uh, with the prison system. And so by the time that I had gone to my sentencing hearing, uh, I actually had my material being disseminated throughout the country. And it was in, I think, like three or four jails and prisons at that time. So it wasn't necessarily like broadly distributed yet, but it was already starting to make an impact. And I'll never forget, there was a, a video that he gave me. Was it a video or a was it a written um, review? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, of a, I believe it was like a case manager or somebody in one of these jails talking about how the curriculum was so beneficial for their guys. And so when I got to read that, it was like, wow, like you can make an impact. And so this started my journey on um, trying to transform myself so that I could then share that man with the world and uh, hopefully share some of the lessons that were guiding me through this um, really challenging experience. So to answer your question directly, that was the moment that I made the shift, but it grew from there. And I'm happy to get into that uh, later. But that's how it all started. 
Thank you for sharing that. There's so many little takeaways that are there um, for people who are listening. I just want to share like mentorship mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. I, I mean, I worked with counselors, therapists, all these things. And I can tell you my life really started to change when I had mentors and I just did what I could mentorship wise. And it, it really started to grow, but that really helped to change my mind of what was possible and to see what I could do. So I I can so relate to that. The toe dipping, I just, I want that to land for anyone who's listening it is not a case of you sit down and say, I'm going to do this. It's going like, I'm just going to do it and it's going to be easy and it's going to go. No, it's especially when you're dealing with vulnerable stories, it is a toe dip. It's like, you know, put it in. It's like, okay, what's the feedback? What do people think? How is this? Is this okay? It's really kind of crappy. I mean, I actually, it's just, I've, I've found some of my old videos. We didn't mm-hmm. have ring lights. We didn't have anything. And I was so scared to show up on camera because we had had so much criticism that the only way I could mentally do it, and I don't even know how to explain why my brain did that, but I wanted to fight the image of being perfect so much so that I actually recorded my live videos after hot yoga on purpose. I was disheveled. I was just this. And I did it because I'm like, perfectionism, gone. This is me, real. This is who I am. And I it just helped me to fight what I felt like it was supposed to look like. And I see those videos now and I'm like, wow, what were you You went like the opposite extreme. You were just like, I'm just going to go when I'm just like covered in sweat, you know, total mess, whatever. It's going to be what it's going to be. That's that's powerful. That's impressive. And I didn't know what I was thinking or what I was doing. I just knew that I couldn't be the version. Like I was living an absolute gong show nightmare time in my life. So to come on camera and look all put together, like there was no strategy uh, behind it. So it felt like incongruent to you, right? Like so you felt like you were like imposter syndrome kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Yeah. So inauthentic, so incongruent. I was yeah. like, you can't, it doesn't even make sense because you can barely hold your shit together any day. So how are you going to yeah. come on camera and go like, yeah, this is me. I've got it all figured out because I didn't and I still don't have the time. And so I love the toe dipping because it was always about try something, get feedback, try something. How does this feel? Like you get feedback as you go and that's how you start to grow. It's not that you do it once and you figured it out and then you're just like off to the races. That's not what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's iterative. It's just like everything else in life. I mean, it's whether it's business or like your I So I have kind of a coaching program that's rooted in personal development and fitness and nutrition and all this other stuff. And everybody's starting at a different point. Yeah. And so at all of those different things, whatever it is in life, it's always iterative. Nobody starts at the top, right? Like nobody like gets into this game of personal development and they're like, oh yeah, tomorrow, uh, you know, I'll be Tony Robbins. Like it just doesn't work that way, right? It doesn't yeah. happen. No, no. So thank you for, for sharing that. And so you had created like this incredibly successful, we'll call it that successful, but not... It, we put a lot of emphasis on successful based on financial. We all know that we do that, but you had created that. And before we dive into the different parts of your story, were you happy there? Were you happy? Okay. And I think that's important. Thank you for being honest. You were not happy. Did you like people would look from the outside and we'll look at what people have created and we think, oh, they've got it all. Like what's wrong with them? Where And I just, I love, I don't know how many times people I talk to in this kind of story and they're like, no, I was not happy. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, that company that I had sold, I was already making a lot of money at a very young age. Um, 
yeah, I think I, I think I was a millionaire, like 26 or 27. And I remember kind of just feeling empty. I was like, this is it. Like, is this really what a being a millionaire feels like? I feel no different. <laughs> I still have the same insecurities. I still have the same problems. I still, you know, probably drink more than I should. I still, all these fears that, that I thought would go away, didn't go away. I have a really awesome car and a nice apartment. Um, that's about it. So that was something that was surprising to me. And I think that tends to resonate with the younger crowd because I, especially younger men who tend to be the group that uh, I, I seem to attract uh, the young entrepreneurial men. Um, because they're sort of surprised by that. They're like really like hustling and grinding to try to hit that number. And then they hit it and they're like, Oh, you're right. Right. And like, you're absolutely right. Uh, so that was, that was a very interesting dynamic. And I've heard that from a lot of different people. And I think it's because, um, I'm not saying that it's like that in every case, there are certainly cases that I, of people that I talk to who are elated when they hit that mark. And it's because they're deeply aligned with their purpose. I was not deeply aligned with my purpose and I won't get into like the details and the specifics of my job. I was a, a chief financial officer, which is interesting because I've never taken a um, an accounting class in my life. Um, it just ha happened to be the, the role that I decided to try to take on. And it was like not fulfilling. I was very much in kind of a back office capacity. I thrive when I'm interacting with people and leading and teaching and communicating. Um, and so you know, yes, making lots of money, building a huge business, uh, sold that business. And I led that entire, you know, sale transaction, um, but was really deeply miserable. I remember talking to my wife at one point, um, you know, certainly, you know, pretty wealthy at the time. and was like, I just, I think I'm just going to walk away. I just don't, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not feeling aligned. I disagree with a lot of the things my partners are doing. Mm -hmm. I would do it differently. Um, but I felt stuck, right? I felt kind of like in that position where I was like, I have to do this because if I, you know, walk away and go do my own thing, whatever that might be, one, I don't know what that is. And two, you know, the the, the whole community, you know, the private equity community, like everybody's like, you know, looking at me to see how this deal goes, right? And, um, you know, it was outwardly very successful, grew very quickly. Uh, and so I felt like the need to have to uphold that image, as well as I was really the one that led the capital raising effort uh, for everybody that was invested in that business to start it. And I felt a lot of pressure to make those people whole. And I deeply believe that if I was not there, that they would not have been paid back. So I felt a lot of different pressures from different angles. And I think that was part of my struggle and my misery is I was like really young trying to deal with these pressures. I was uh, 26 when this thing started and, you know, 20, you know, 26 going on like 18. So, um, you know, it was, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm not making excuses. I'm just sharing yeah. kind of how I, how I felt at the time. So all those things led to a lot of pressure. I started to self-medicate with alcohol. I started to drink more and more and more. Um, you know, it went from kind of partying on the weekends, which I did, you know, probably one of the biggest regrets I have in life is, you know, starting that thing in, in college. Um, but did that all through my twenties and then it would go to, okay, well, I'll have a drink, you know, it's whatever Tuesday night, I'll have one, you know, Wednesday, I'm going out with coworkers. Well, I'll have another one. And then it's just like, before you know it, I was drinking five days a week. 
Um, and yeah, so I, what I realized later on was that I was sort of masking my own, you know, misery and insecurity and, and all those things. So this is all happening to your question. This is all occurring. I'm, I'm not exercising consistently. I'm not really taking care of myself. Uh, I'm hung over a lot. I'm showing up to work late, like really just not optimal. Yeah. This is all happening while I'm the richest I've ever been. Interesting. Right. Very interesting. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm sharing these details with you because I'm just trying to paint a picture that, you know, for anybody that's listening, who is in the situation where they're, you know, they've created a lot of financial wealth, but there's clearly a gaping hole in their, in their soul. Um, you're not the only person to ever go through that. Uh, and all of the people who might be listening, who are placing a lot of value in, um, achieving a certain financial target, uh, that is an empty goal right? Um, you know, happiness lies within us and we have to, we have to find it and we have to kind of sculpt, sculpt that individual, which is, which is a process. Um, so yeah, so that's really the headspace I was in at the time. Uh, and then when everything kind of crumbled and I continued to, you know, accumulate wealth and build businesses even after that. Right. But, you know, if you are, I now believe this deeply that if you're not prepared for significant wealth and responsibility, it will come and it will go. And that's exactly what happened with me. I, there's so many things that you've said there. And I love, I love that you touched on that piece in the end there that I often say, if we, if we don't grow into the best version of ourselves, you might achieve your goals, but you're never going to keep them. You're never going to keep them if you don't grow as a person to be able to be there. And I'm sure everyone listening can relate to you know, working hard, hitting a goal and then going, wait, where did it go? Like, how did it, like, <laughs> it's gone. I don't even understand mm -hmm. what happened. And it's like, you know, you change in that process. And so I just, I think that is incredibly powerful. So take us through the time and I don't, we're not going to stay there forever, but I just want to know, take us through the time of, as it started to crumble, what happened in your life? Because I really want to paint the picture that, you know, even you having this conversation and being in this space today, I just think it's really powerful what you're doing. I, I think it's incredibly, there's so much strength, courage, bravery in what you're doing right now. And you're just going to continue to open up and give others permission to like own their stories, share them, do things to put good out in the world. And I, I just, I'm not going to be able to say it enough because I believe in it wholeheartedly. But as that went down and as th things started to crumble, what happened in your life before you started to come back up again? Yeah. So as things crumbled, I will, I will never forget this phone call. Um, so I had known that there was an investigation. So in 2017, I sold a company that was in, in the substance abuse treatment space. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I got into that business for two reasons. I wanted to kind of scratch my entrepreneurial itch. I came from the private equity world. Okay. So I came from, I was started in mergers and acquisitions, management consulting, went into private equity. Private equity is basically a you know group of investors who go out and buy companies in real estate, build it up, sell it. Right. That's what I was doing. I had an opportunity. I was recruited by two guys uh, who were kind of experienced executives out of the space who wanted to build their own, um, like, you know, kind of world changing substance abuse treatment business. So uh, for me, it was an interesting opportunity because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was not getting the fulfillment that I thought that I would from kind of being in this corporate finance, like, you know, investor type world. 
I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I had a lot of amazing exposure at a young age, like really amazing. But I just felt that there was a part of me that needed to be doing more. And so there was that side of it. The other side was a little bit more uh, personal. So uh, we all, the substance abuse is just out of control still. It's not getting better, uh, unfortunately. But um, I grew up in a time when it was really kind of ramping up, I think. So I graduated high school in 2006. I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. I had a number of friends in high school who passed away from drug overdoses uh, and then kind of sort of related suicides. Um, my sister is somebody who's struggled with substance abuse her entire life and mental health um, since she was probably about 15 in and out of rehab and multiple overdoses, the whole thing. So I saw how that disease had impacted my family. I rem- I just I vividly remember my parents as different people before all of this started because like the stress and the impact and the like, what do we do? We don't know what to do, Right. And then there's the denial and all this other stuff. And so I just, I remember watching my family change over the years as like this, almost like a helpless bystander. I always, um, I describe it to my wife as watching a slow motion car accident. You're just like, you, you're just kind of standing there and you like, there's nothing you can do and you're, you know, exactly what's going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it, but you're in the family. So you're like having to watch this and it's deeply painful. So anyway, so there was a number of motivators that pushed me into that business. And yes, I wanted to build a great business. Absolutely. Um, But I also wanted to hopefully save one family from kind of going through what my family was going through. So there was that piece of it. Anyway, uh, we go out, we raise a bunch of money, several million dollars. We get this business started. We grow really, really, really fast, faster than I expected. Uh, Almost 150 employees, four clinical offices, uh, corporate office, 125 sober living beds, like rapid growth. And that was sort of the role that I fell into. It's like, okay, Brennan, just figure out how to like continue to get this office and, you know, get more vans and like just try to manage it all. Um, Do we have enough working capital? Like the whole thing. And so I'm trying to manage this. I'm 26 years old and, um, you know, I'm pulling from my network and my relationships for guidance and and as much as I possibly can, right? I'm I'm figuring this out as I go. Anyway, build the business up, um, sell it in 2017 for just under $67 million valuation. So uh, I was about 29 when that happened. I then go off, take my, now I've got a war chest and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to build like a whole holding company of other companies. And so I start uh, investing in other businesses, start a real estate development company. And um, yeah, that's all going well. And back to the phone call, right? So uh, just high flying, lots going on. I get this phone call. I'm in my real estate development office. It's my lawyer. And he says, you know, Brandon, that investigation that was going on into the healthcare company you sold about a year, year and a half ago, that has come to a head. What we originally thought was kind of like going to be a non-issue. Maybe we settle. Uh, It was explainable, et cetera, et cetera. All the lawyer speak they give you. Turns out they've made a decision and that um, they're going to be pursuing the case. They want to make an example out of this case because of all the factors. You guys grew really fast. Uh, they believe they have enough uh, to support their case. And um, yeah, so I have some really terrible news, but there's a list of 10, 11, 12, I don't remember exactly, uh, people to be indicted and your name is on the list. And so I'd just gotten married uh, about a year before that, maybe not even a year. And 
you know, it was really, everything was kind of seemingly going well. I knew there was an investigation going on. I had just sort of listened to my lawyers and saying like, look, you're probably fine. Probably nothing to worry about. We'll see. Okay. So I carry on with my life. But that phone call wrecked me, right? In that moment, I just completely broke down. I broke down. My partners are like in the office next door, They're like coming in. I'm like crying. I call my wife. I tell her what's going on. Everybody's like, oh my God, this has to be some kind of a mistake. You know, I'm like, look, I tried that. It's this is it. This is what's happening on Monday. I'm going to be indicted. I don't even know what that means, uh, but that's what's happening. And so in that moment, like that, literally snap of a finger with a phone call, my entire identity crumbled. I viewed myself as, you know, a transparent, hardworking, trustworthy, you know, individual who cared about people. I've never been in any trouble in my life and never really had any intent to harm. Um, but you know, I think as I look back, I have to take full accountability for you know my actions, my behavior, and I deeply believe that our lives in this moment are the kind of the product of every little choice we've ever made. So, in that moment, I was in a very deep state of denial. But now that I look back, I you know I've, I've kind of taken full accountability for for what happened, and and I have to own it because I was in a position of power. And so when all that happened. Um, it was really difficult. It was managing, you know, uh, there was a whole press conference, like it was very public. Um, you know, seeing your your face on the four o'clock news, not in a good way is a bad thing. Uh, you know, mugshot, like, I mean, it's full on total destruction of my life, right? And uh, not total destruction. I, my wife, you know, God bless her, stood by me through the whole thing. Um, I was very transparent with her throughout the whole process. And I think that helped, right? Like I would tell her like, look, here's what I know. Here's what I don't, here's what we're dealing with. And she was like, look, we got this. We're going to go through it together. So throughout that, I had my wife. So I'm super grateful for that. I had that support. Uh, and I actually had a lot of people kind of stand up around me. I had uh, certainly had a cleansing of, of individuals who, you know, either did not believe my side of the story or just didn't even want to hear it. Uh, but that's okay. Right. That was, that was okay. And in, in the moment it was difficult to accept, but you know, so it, it was a very isolating, very lonely time. And that's when I, you know, sort of broke down for a while and resorted to self-medicating, you know, laziness, just, you know, playing the poor me role. And I did that for probably you know, a month or two. And then that's when I I made that fateful phone call to my mentor. So you had, I mean, really in the big grand scheme of things, first off, thank you for sharing everything there. Cause like your life can change in like one yeah. phone call, one yeah, message. Yeah. Like I think that in, in, and not in the same story, but there's been so many people who can relate to, yes, my life changed with this one message, this one mm -hmm. phone call. And and then you're saying like you had one to two months where it was like trying to figure out how to navigate all of this. And then you called a mentor. So you'd already been indicted at this point, but you hadn't gone to prison and you had come to the the space of saying like, I need help, support. What do I, what can I do with this? Yeah. So you didn't stay there very long. You didn't stay in that space very long, even though I'm sure it felt incredibly low. It felt like an eternity. Yeah, it felt like a I'm sure time. it did. I was just, I'm sure it did. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, you're like, okay, should I just like kill myself? Like, what should I do here? Because this is like, my life is over, right? Yeah. Everything that I thought yeah. I was, your identity is destroyed. And so you have to kind of start from this blank slate. Um, but 
I just, I remember looking at my wife and just being like, I, she's standing right by me, like through this whole thing. She could very easily just be like, see ya. And I think a lot of partners, you know, men, women, same, same deal. Mm -hmm. If dealing with that situation, a lot of them would get scared and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe not trust the person that they uh, married and just say, see you later. It happens to a lot of the guys that I talk to. So um, I remember looking at my wife and being like, I can't be like this. She's staying, she's staying strong for me. I have to show up. Mm-hmm. And so eventually it kind of got off my, uh, you know, I, I stopped the pity party and just decided that it's time that I do something about this. And like I said, it started with a small, small move of making a phone call and just asking for help. I also was, um, you know, getting therapy, which I found, um, to be helpful as well. So I, I just kind of threw the kitchen sink at it and was like, I just, I have to find something that works. Um, and I think the, but the most powerful thing for me was definitely finding the right mentor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't say enough about that. Um, and as I listen to that, I think everybody, so many people can relate to this in the sense that, you know, it's like, I, I just knew that this is not what I wanted. I didn't know what I could do. I didn't yeah. know what it was going to look like, but I knew I didn't want this anymore. Like I knew I didn't want to stay in this space. And she, your wife probably, what's your wife's name? Janelle. Janelle. So she obviously um, just gave you so much more like like faith and something to anchor in on. And sometimes we have moments in our life where it's like, we just need like one person to believe in us. And then we can borrow that belief and then we can start to build our belief on ourselves a little bit more by taking action. And so that's fantastic that you had her. Yeah. 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 So as you went through this time, what time are we talking in here? So this was like close to 2020 after. Yeah, I was indicted in 2020 or no, uh, 2019. I went away in 2020. Mm -hmm. And how long did you go away for? So I was sentenced to 37 months in federal prison mm-hmm. and to pay a $3.1 million fine, um, which is a lot of money. Yes. But it was not the money that was the scary part. It was being away from my wife for potentially three years. And um, we just got married, right? So it's like, okay, well, a new marriage is already kind of an interesting dynamic. We'd been together for a while, but it's different. And so I was very, very worried about that. But um, fortunately, I had some really good guidance. I had the best advisors. And I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to like sulk because I know a lot of people who go through these situations and they have nothing left to hire good lawyers or good advisors or whatever. Right. So I'm, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm acknowledging the fact that I went through it with that help. And what that meant was, is that they were able to guide me through kind of a process of, um, you know, all the various programs that are available that, you know, essentially could have gotten me home, uh, much earlier and did. So I ended up serving uh, only 10 and a half months on a 37 month sentence, which uh, is is very good, I'm told. But from the moment that I made that choice to try to do something about this, and I didn't even know when I made the decision, I didn't even really know what I was going to do. But I just said, look, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I think this is like really just a, an entrepreneurial thing. You're going to get this or you won't. You have this bone in your body or you just don't. But I was like, I don't have a 
clue how I'm going to accomplish this mission, but I'm going to find a way to take this awful moment in my life. And instead of allowing me it to consume me, I'm going to find a way to turn it into something that lifts the spirits of those I interact with. That was my like big thing. That was my why. But I had no clue how I was going to do that. And so after kind of creating the little little course and writing the book, I started to feel more confident in my writing ability. Uh, I did do, um, I think, one or two speaking engagements as well, started to feel a little bit more comfortable communicating. And so when I went away, before I left, I had built, uh, this is like really kind of a crazy thing to say out loud, but I built like a set of goals for prison. Okay. <laughs> so- I love this. Keep going. <laughs> You're awesome. I love it. It's just things you never thought you would say in life. Uh, so I, I built my list of goals for what I wanted to accomplish in prison. My wife built her, her list of goals. And then we had our list of goals of things we were going to accomplish together. Right. So trying to go through this experience in a productive way, um, both individually and use this time to our benefit, but also to, to try to grow together. And so anyway, on my list was, um, I wanted to educate and teach and really lean lean into serving people. And so I promised that I would continue to write uh, and that I would continue to, you know, read and try to improve my my knowledge and and become wiser, I guess, uh, if if one can become wise through reading. Um, but anyway, I so I did. I did all of that. I I poured myself deeply into uh teaching. And so I volunteered in the GED department. I was teaching grown men how to read, which is like a very interesting dynamic. I'm sure uh, teaching a you know full-grown adult who can't read at a third grade level is it's it'll it'll change you. Um and so I, I did that, and then I also leaned into teaching what I loved. So entrepreneurship, I taught financial literacy, I taught uh, resume writing, I taught uh, help guys build release plans. Um, What else did I teach? Uh, How to find and identify opportunities in whether it was in entrepreneurship or in their careers, uh, things that suited their skill set. And so I just tried to add value to a community in in a very dark place. I tried to bring a little light. So... I did that for the whole time I was there. Um, and it was really, really beneficial. And it taught me something about myself that I didn't really even know that I had. I learned that I'm actually like a, a pretty good teacher, right? And that I enjoy it. And I love doing this. I would do this for free. And so I continue to do some of that work today. I'm an entrepreneurship coach for a nonprofit called Inmates to Entrepreneurs, which is a fantastic organization uh, started by a guy named Brian Hamilton is a highly successful entrepreneur. This foundation has been around for 20 years. I'm just a a coach, Uh, but we teach uh, people who are coming out of prisons and jails, how to start businesses for less than a thousand dollars. So we're giving like, I won't say MBA level entrepreneurship coaching. It's, you know, everybody's starting from a different place, but it's pretty high quality stuff. Uh, to people for free, to people who are, some of them are still incarcerated and some of them are just kind of coming home. So we're really helping them to, I think, pursue what is the best option for people who are, uh, you know, justice impacted. So anyway, love doing that. And then it's also led me to kind of building this, this coaching business, which is, you know, really 
geared towards the 25 to 35 year old entrepreneurial type business owner, uh, predominantly male, who is, you know, in a variety of circumstances, maybe they're already kind of achieved that level of wealth, but they're still feeling very hollow, you know, completely out of shape, lacking discipline, kind of miserable, depressed, anxious, or, you know, the other side of the spectrum is somebody who's kind of working their way up and they're just trying to become a better man in the process. So like throughout that journey, I created a better version of myself and I'm now kind of offering that person to the world. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I have not had a sip of alcohol for three years. I have a beautiful marriage. Uh, you know, it, it just like I, like we open the call, I like wake up in the morning and I kind of pinch myself that I was able to kind of recover from this, this experience the way that I was, I just feel so blessed and so lucky. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really given me the opportunity to lean deeply into what I believe is my purpose. So thank you for sharing all that. And I, I'm sure it's a redundant question, but all things considered, are you happy with where you are, what you're doing and life right now in comparison to before where you had it all based on what people thought was the quality of life. And now you look at it, the level of happiness that you feel now in your life, how different is it from before? Oh, I mean, it's a it's a deeper sense of like genuine happiness and gratitude, I think is the key word. I did not appreciate my life when I had all of those things. Like I just wasn't ready, right? I wasn't the man that I needed to be. And I, I've worked really really hard on myself to try to become a better person. I had to look back and I had to say, Brandon, like you believed that you were this transparent, honest, hardworking, non, um, non-criminogenic individual. Like you deeply believed that. But if you really honestly look at your actions and your behaviors, do those things line up? Did they line up? And I had to get super honest with myself and say, you know what? At some point, I believe I probably did compromise in areas that I shouldn't have. I made choices that did not align with my values that went against all the reasons I started doing this in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I won't make excuses for why all that happened. What matters is your results. What choice did you make? Mm-hmm. And that was hard. That was a really difficult process. That was a lot of time with myself and um, a lot of honest reflection and a lot of a lot of tears on on paper, right? So um, I've worked really, really hard to build the life that I have right now. And I'm super, super proud of it. And I'm just so grateful that I've, I've had the opportunity to, to get back and, and do this because I think there's a lot of people out there who are in far worse situations than I'm in. And um, but they're going to have their own journey too, right? They're going to have their opportunity to battle back. So I'm here to prove to people that it is absolutely possible. Yeah. And you're doing that. Like, this is like, this is the piece that you're doing. I think there is so much strength that happens. Um, It's not strength, strength, awareness. When you have those moments of conversation with yourself and say, okay, you know what? Like I got here by some choices. I mean, all of us have had those moments and being able to do that without, you know, criticizing, judging ourselves, shaming ourselves, being able to just say like, this is this like, yeah, you brought yourself here. And Mm -hmm. so if you want to go somewhere else, it's like, it's going to take some different choices. And are you, are you willing to do that? 
And those deep moments, like reflective moments that we have with ourselves, like the moments in the mirror, the moments where it's like strip away all the bullshit and it's like, just be so brutally honest with yourself. As hard as those moments are, they are really the thing that can catapult us forward because we come to that space of ownership. Like if we aren't going to own it, I often say, if we don't own the story, if we don't own the choices, like they own us. We're forever hustling and like proving and saying like, this is, this is not my fault, this and that. All of a sudden when we actually own it is when it's like, okay, clean slate. Now let's get started and create something differently. That is not, I don't know how to explain how to do that. And you're, I've had so many conversations with people on the show, but I feel like there's something really different with this one because it's a very just real, honest, raw conversation of somebody else who had to have that moment. And I think that when you came to a point of saying, like, I'm just going to make some different choices and some different decisions and see where it leads me. And you own that story. That is when you start taking your power back. I think when we hide our story is when like it keeps the power, it holds it over us. When you own it, it's like, you don't even give anyone else an opportunity to hold it over you because it's like, yeah, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. And it's like, there's no room for shame. And I just think that's where a lot of the, our power and our personal power and development comes from. Do you want to hear an interesting and kind of weird observation that I've noticed over the years? So during my time of, uh, we'll call it struggle. Um, and even I think before that, I could not look myself in the mirror and make eye contact with myself. Mm -hmm. How weird is that? Right? So there was a part of me that had a certain level of guilt and shame that I was carrying around and I was medicating and telling, trying to show the world, no, 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 I'm, I am, I'm this, I'm that because I have done X, Y, Z. Right. But when I would look at myself in the mirror, I could not stare myself in the eye for an extended period of time. And so now I've worked really, really hard to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be like fucking proud of the person that is staring back. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that journey is insane. It's like it requires so much strength to like get honest with yourself about all those things that are causing you to feel that something's not right here, right? Like I need to address that. So that's like, that's the journey that I've been on is to create the person that when I look back at myself, I'm so proud of that person. Mm. And I do that like through audits, right? Like I'm auditing my actions. I'm auditing my thoughts. I'm auditing my words. And if I do make a mistake or I do say something I shouldn't have or whatever, I'm trying to own that as quick as I possibly can because all that shit starts to compound and that's when you find yourself, you know, self-medicating, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, you know, other behaviors, right? That's when all that stuff starts to come out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just think those moments you just said there, like the personal audit, um, when I catch myself behaving in a way that I'm like, what, like, who is that? And why are you doing that? Like, why are you acting like this? Yeah. And, and I'm not proud, like they're not proud moments at all. Um, and I will stop and think, okay. Let's just stop for an audit. I've never called it an audit, but it's like, I look at it and go, what am I doing? That's not working. What am I not doing that I know I need to do? And like, what do I have to start saying yes and no to? 
And yeah. it becomes very clear. It's like, oh, wait, all the things that support you, you stopped doing. You started going back into old patterns. You're doing these things. All right, let's clean that up. And it's not failure, but I, you said it. I think the faster you can look at it, look at square in the eye, in the mirror, however you want to say it, have the audit and then get on with it, the better. I think it's just feel it, recognize it, what's working, and then move forward. And it doesn't take you out of the knees and knock you down for days like it might have before. There, I often call them, they're like speed bumps. They're like, I have the yeah. trip on the speed bump and I'm like, oh, okay, whoa, just back on track here. Like, just, we're not doing that again. So I look at it, I, I'm, my, I'm like a very left brain person. I look at it like a, almost like a continuous feedback loop, right? Like you would look at like in your business, right? Like you really want to get that feedback, customer feedback, employee feedback, et cetera. To me, that's my, that's my feedback loop of myself. Right. Of of knowing when and when I need to course correct. And it's okay to kind of go like this, but you've got to pull it back. Right. And so those little audits and that that time to really reflect. And um, you know, in the program that I was in, we called these uh, rational self-analysis, right? And so we would essentially just kind of go back and look at our decisions and our thoughts and our behaviors and see if it truly aligned with, you know, our values and the person we wanted to create. So um yeah, I mean that that's like one of the most powerful tools that I think I have developed over the years for sure. Uh in addition to, you know, kind of consistency and discipline in, in my fitness routine, which has honestly been like totally transformational. I tell people all the time, like fitness, I think saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, I'm off topic here, but no. yeah. No, it's good. It's a it's good. But you know what? You had um this this process really started before you went to prison. Yeah. You set those goals. What were you going to do? And then you showed up consistently for yourself in prison. And so you had built some really strong atomic habits, if you want to use an example there, that, you know, this was my life. This is how I'm showing up. This is what I promised myself. So that when you got out of prison, you had already spent months like prepping yourself and like, you know, becoming somebody different and really anchoring in what you wanted to do and what you wanted to create. So it is layers. It's layering those Mm. habits over and over and over. And I think we sometimes are looking for like the glorified, what's, what's the thing that you did that made the change. And it's like, Oh, it was a lot of boring little habits. I stacked on top of each other every single day. And then yeah. audited when I wasn't and they add up. Like we underestimate the power of those small habits. Yeah. Here's the other thing. So you're going to make this, this is years in the making. So like you said, I started preparing for this moment before <laughs> I even left Yeah, years ago. Right. That's, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. Do you think that I've been perfect that entire time? Oh my God, no. Right. Like I've made endless mistakes. I've had plenty of days where I'm like, what am I doing? I've had moments where I said, send me back to prison. Mm. I'd rather be there. I've had days like that. I've said that out loud and then felt terrible for it. Now, if I can stay here for a second, I've actually interviewed a number of people who got who spent time in prison. Yep. I will say a big majority have said that. And I'm yep. talking about people who have like done very similar to you where they've come out, they're mission driven, they're doing something with their story. They have said multiple times that it would have been easier to go back into prison. So if you don't have the mindset that you are going to build these habits and do like, and I, I'm going to state, I believe you're the exception to a lot, like maybe a higher exception. So if that's the case, like in your having moments of like, just send me back. 
you can see then how hard it is for people to integrate from life inside prison to out. Oh my God. Yeah. There's it's no really judgment in that. I'm just saying it's got to be incredibly difficult. So yeah, I mean, it's different. It's you have to. So I'm a, a white collar guy, right? Like I don't, I don't expect any sympathy, right? I don't want any, and I don't expect it, right? But asking, there are a lot of the people uh, who end up in prison are coming from really, like, and I'm, I've hung out and met a lot of a lot of people from these situations and became friends with them, and uh, they're they're coming from like fucking terrible situations, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I had resources, I had relationships, I had people who supported me, right? So I did have the opportunity to get back out there. But even then, it's still very difficult. But I shared that not necessarily for that reason. I shared that because it's hardest to get back up after you've fallen when you're on this journey, right? Because you feel like you have to be perfect. And we were talking a little bit about this in the beginning, right? Where Mm -hmm. if you're out there and you're sharing your story, well, if I'm sharing a story that's supposed to be inspiring and motivational and to push people and I I have to be that perfect example, that means I can't ever fall over. And I like, that's just not fucking true. Right? Like I've had those moments and it's the ability to persevere through those moments and those times where you fall off and get right back up and just stay the path. Mm-hmm. That's fucking brave. Yeah. And um, like if you look at a lot of people who will start things and like New Year's resolutions and these challenges and all these things, they'll fall off one time. And that means their whole resolution is over. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no perfect, like you said, there's no one trick, there's no straight line trajectory that's going to take you to where you're going. It's the ability to fall over and get up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the more you fall, sometimes they talk about it. Like I've always loved Sarah Blakely's story. So she's the one who invented Spanx. Mm-hmm. And she said when they came home for dinner every night, their dad would ask them, what failure were they able to celebrate that day? And if they didn't have one to celebrate, he's like, then you're not trying hard enough. Like every day, bring home a new failure, something new. And they didn't celebrate what they won. They celebrate what they failed. He normalized the process so much so that when she had the idea to create Spanx, she's like sold door-to-door fax machines for like two years or something like that until she could build it. But she's like, you don't think that I faced failure and like people screaming at me every single day when I did that. But it's just this thing that we like, let's normalize those feelings of, of how do I fall and get back up again? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I just wrote that down by the way. And that, that hit deeper because now I'm a dad and I have to that's a whole nother conversation depth maybe we'll get into, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. And I don't know, I don't know if I just have this bone. I don't want to even say that because that's going to give somebody an excuse, but I, I just, I think the pain of having not tried is just too great for me. Right. I just, I, I just feel this, it's almost like my my conscience is just pulling me in a certain direction and i every time i fight it i'm miserable mm-hmm. does that make any sense right it's like there's the the universe is kind of communicating through me and when i fight that urge by hiding behind whatever trying not to share my story trying to avoid it like you were saying so many people want to hide every you know every ounce of our being sometimes says you know hide run away bury it in the closet lock it away and never talk about it again but for me, it's just uh, that has pulled me through this the whole time that I just there's there's something here and I need to be doing more with it. So that's how I keep getting back up. 
Yeah, you are. You keep getting back up. I, I'm sure this won't be the last conversation that we have. There's just so yeah. many things that <laughs> that are um, that are resonating. And again, I think it's really powerful. I can't say this one enough. I love seeing more and more men come into this space and share open and vulnerable stories because I guarantee you, as much as there are women out there trying to figure out where they fit in, how do they show up, I guarantee you there is a tremendous amount of men in that same situation. And they like, it's, you're giving more people permission than you probably even realize. I, I, I hope so. Um, but yeah, men are, men are starving for a sense of, uh, strength and community. And I think, uh, the, the male identity is, um, I think it's really tough for a lot of guys. They're not really sure how and who they're supposed, how they're supposed to behave and who they're supposed to be. And, um, I, uh, I just, I'm just here to, to share my story. And if it's helpful to anyone out there, then, then that, that's why I'm doing it. Right. That's it right there. So, um, you know, to the extent that you know, I, I have visions and dreams of building like a real community at some point, and I'm, I'm in the process of working on that. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but uh, I think that's definitely, like you said, it's something that I think men are, are craving and starving for right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I've had more, male clients reach out in the last few months and it's just been really interesting. And I, I'm like, again, just open to it, but it's just seeing that they, they're craving being able to like open up and share. And I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. So white collar savage, the name I love, I I can, I can guess, but you tell me the name and tell me where it comes from and why white collar savage. So, uh, it comes from a couple of different places. Um, you know, I, I was kind of labeled this, this white collar criminal. Um, mm-hmm. so I just sort of took the name and owned it and gave it my own yep. definition. Uh, and so the savage part of it was just really there to represent this person who is not going to ever quit and never going to back down. And I'm going to continue to do what I believe is right. And I'm going to try to share my story with the world, but, uh, also a, a kind of a funny side of it is somebody who I really look up to is David Goggins. Okay. So David Goggins book, uh, can't hurt me. I read it like five times while I was away and, um, I gave my copy to a friend who needed it. I should have kept it because it, it was such a big impact. It had such a big impact on me. And so, um, you know, he, he's kind of like the guy who's always out there kind of talking about, you know, being a savage and, um, you know, that was kind of part of what I wanted to create. And I'm very into fitness and uh, I do kind of all these wild, crazy workouts all the time. I'm nowhere near where David Goggins is, but, um, you know, he's running 110 miles in the desert for fun. It's another level of savage. But anyway, so it's uh, it's kind of meant to embody those those two different things, right? That relentlessness and, you know, kind of a label that I was, I was given that I'm just going to take and I'm going to turn it into my own. So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, two things that pop up for me when you say that. Um, first, the definitely savage. I totally get that. There's something I see probably being female on this side is that you lead with way more heart than I think you realize. And I think that's a that's a superpower. I'm going to say yeah. that's a superpower. Like 100%. You. You're welcome. It's a superpower. And um, secondly, um, yeah, David Goggins, I he speaks to me. He absolutely speaks to me. I know he's not for everybody, but I listened to his most recent book, um, Never Finished on Audible. Mm-hmm. And it actually, like, it was fantastic. 
And there were a couple of moments that I kept replaying because I was just like, what? Like what? And he had, he interviews his mom partway through it. And he has a conversation with his mom talking about, you know, mom, why would you stay? Like dad used to beat you. He used to beat us. Why would you stay? And he said, I really wanted to share it from a, like this generational trauma that is just continuously passing down. Mm. And it was no criticism in it, but he goes, I wanted to share it in the last book, but mom wasn't ready and mom had to be ready. And I mean, I give her, she's worked so hard to be able to be here. He, it was just such a stunningly powerful, beautiful part of the book. And then the way he ends it, I just, it floors me. So it's fantastic. And um, I think, you know, when you find your people who you resonate with their message, then you just, you just, you keep diving in. Yeah. I just, I, I tend to be that kind of person too. I, I, I don't mind his style of communication. I, I like the intensity of it. Some, like you said, it's not necessarily for everybody. Um, I have like elements of that. I, I, I do try to lead with, um, I don't know if I try, but I just kind of naturally lead that way, kind of more with my heart. But I also can be kind of a nut too. So I have like this like balance of the two. And uh, so it's just part of that resonates with me deeply. I think as men, there's there's just part of us that like that high intensity screaming. Like it's just a fucking macho thing. I think, I don't know. It's just, it's just part of our biology. We're just, <laughs> we're just knuckleheads, I think really. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I just, I like that. Uh, I do too. I do too. And it's actually funny because I've actually shared the book a couple of times and clients are like, oh, I was going to listen to it at home. Okay. I'm like, just as a heads up, like put yeah. your phones in, like if like, don't just play it. With make your sure the kids, kids aren't around. Yeah. yeah. Make sure the kids aren't around. I mean, he speaks my, that's me. I definitely have that vibe. And so yeah. I, I resonate with it so much, but I just love that you shared that and you went there. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely will be having another conversation again, but I want to share Love like, it. where can people connect, follow you, learn more about you and just share the work that you're doing? Yeah. So uh, if anybody listening, if you would please uh, check me out on Instagram at white collar savage. And uh, I also have a Facebook group that I'm standing up that is really for anyone. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, my, I, my community is really around, you know, kind of the young male entrepreneur who's whether they're battling something or they're really just trying to build a better version of themselves, that's really who it's for. Uh, and that's on Facebook at, uh, at white collar savage as well. Uh, and yeah, and look, I respond to everyone. So, you know, if there's anybody who's hearing this and they, uh, feel alone, they don't really know who to turn to trust me. Uh, I've got some words for you and I'm here for you. So don't hesitate to reach out. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for everything that you've shared. I love this conversation. Like I said, I know we'll have another one and um, somewhere along the way paths will continue to cross because I just, I believe in and love the work that you're doing. I would love to ask you like one last question and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? So I, I mean, I think my honest answer is you know, the, the challenge that I went through, you can call it one lesson. It's really a million lessons, mm -hmm. but the process of starting your life over from a blank slate teaches you so much about gratitude. It teaches you so much about focusing on what you do have mm -hmm. versus what you don't. And so that lesson, you know, this kind of 
forced rebuilding of my life has definitely been the thing that I am most grateful for. No question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Mm -hmm.